Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I don't know if you knew this, but anyone can get the same premium wireless for $15 a month plan that I've been enjoying. It's not just for celebrities. So do like I did and have one of your assistant's assistants switch you to Mint Mobile today. I'm told it's super easy to do at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three-month plan equivalent to $15 per month required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 60. 60? Yep, another milestone, mate. Of an earful podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Love. And as always, I am joined by the one, the only, Man United Matt himself, my Ashton. He's my MSN Addy there, mate. It's going back, that. <laughs> Old school. Oh, they, they were the good days. They were the well. simple days. <laughs> but today, we are speaking to Charlie from As Everything Unfolds. Yeah, so on this podcast, we go on about touring post-lockdown. We talk about them playing the download pilot as well. Uh, just playing download for the first time and how much of a crazy experience that was for them. We go on about the making of the music video for On The Inside because it's just a fucking smashing music video and we just needed to bring that up. And obviously, as usual, we dive into horror movies, get into our segments of what's your favourite scary movie and pet peeves as well. Which Pet peeves is pretty fun. good on this one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ranking it in like the top tier of good pet peeves. Right. So make sure you stick around for it because it is a jolly good time. See, my festive, my festive mentions <laughs> now that we're in December. Oh, okay. God. Anyway, uh, if you haven't already, thank you very much for anyone that has been following us, checking out episodes. Um, you may have noticed that we've taken a bit of a break since Horror Fest because Horror, Horror Fest, Fest, as every year that we've done it, it completely burns us out. So we just have to take some sort of time to kind of recuperate, get ourselves in the mood again and just get going. Um, but if you want to keep in touch with what we are up to, what episodes are coming out, then make sure to check us out on our socials, which is at an AFL podcast on Instagram, Facebook. Don't really use the Facebook that much, but it's there no. anyway. There you go. And Twitter as well. Um, if you haven't already as well, if you do like our episodes, make sure you go and follow it. Or if you do like the episode, comment. Let us know. We like to know that you like the content that we're releasing, or if you've got any suggestions of who we should have on the podcast. But other than that, it's Charlie from As Everything Unfolds. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, so Charlie, how is it going? Uh, It's been good. Um, been quite busy actually for a change. It's nice to be able to tell people we've been busy because obviously over the last year we've been um, not busy. Well, busy internally, but not really touring or playing shows yeah. or anything. So yeah, we've um, we've been on a tour with Holding Absence. We played the Download Pilot in the summer. Um, we're due to go to uh, Germany in January. So obviously, all fingers crossed for that. Touch wood. Um, and then a back out with Holding Absence in March. And we got loads going on. We played some festivals like Burn It Down and Turbulence in between. We've got a show with Raptors at the end of December uh, in Bristol. So that'll be um, pretty good. So, yeah, it's great. It's going really well. And our vinyl is finally being released, I think, next week or the week after. Mm. 
So that's everything's <laughs> yes. been a long time coming. It's all finally coming together at the end of the year, which is really nice. That's sick. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, so we'll break yeah, it yeah. down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, yeah. you guys... I think I'm just excited that we've yeah. actually got stuff to talk about. <laughs> You guys have gone into lockdown and then come out of lockdown and just like fucking blew up. Like you, you've you've done download pilot, you released your album, you've been on tour with Holding Absence, and now you just like it looks like you're just non-stop now constantly, which is brilliant to see. Yeah, it's um it was such a weird time because obviously this is our first album as well. So in a weird way, we don't really know any different yeah. from what's just happened. And I think that's kind of been a blessing for us. Um, you know, we've we've thrived in some ways in the pandemic online. Because um, a lot of bands chose not to release their material, whereas we kind of took the gamble. And I think in terms of collecting fans online, that really paid off. Yeah. Obviously, we then did sacrifice potentially doing like an album release tour. But we're doing a, an album sort of release, album end show, I suppose, um, in February. So um, that's kind of what's what's going on with the album stuff. <laughs> that's cool. Now... I think first I've got to commend you because we watched you in Manchester uh, with, on the Old and Absence tour and your set was so slick. It was just... Oh, thank you. The entire thing was just like from one song to the next with the with interludes and all that. Like, it's weird that in some cases it's quite rare to find like bands where they've absolutely nailed the whole transition between songs. Mm-hmm. Was there a certain like thought you put into whereabouts you compiled like certain songs? Obviously, there's the ones where you've added a single where you mainly put them at, like at the end of the set list, but otherwise than that, in terms of, like the interlude music and trans- transitioning between tracks, and that was a lot of thought that went into it. Yeah, it, it, I tell you what, when we're at practice nowadays, you know, because we played the song so many, so many times, you know, especially the the older ones, you know, like it, it's it's come to the point where sometimes at practices we'll just do the interludes because. Yeah we will that's the bit that we chop and change a bit like you know between shows and between tours because what you got to remember is um if we swap songs around the interludes will have to change because depending on what's going on in that song you don't really want like a slow build-up coming into like a really heavy thing and so it's something that changes quite a lot so that's so sometimes we'll um we'll play through the set for the end of the 30 seconds of each and the beginning of the 30 seconds of the next one and then just play the interlude so, but John, John tends to create all the interludes and then sort of I, um, so what we've done now, which we actually learned on the Holding Absence Tour, which is very nice for our interlude sort of bits, um, which um, we all have in-ear monitors now. So we all have like stuff going on inside our ears and it literally has a talking like Siri voice that goes, talk now. And it goes, talk about merch. <laughs> So put it back nice. to stage and I'll tell you <laughs> what it's, it, it got a while to get used to but it is so good because there'll be a sort of sometimes when you're just so in the moment you just get so lost where you are <laughs> yeah. and it'll remind you of what song it is perfect it goes like hiding from myself talk about merch and then it gives me like a one two three four to count in when to talk wow that's amazing wow and that was like, yeah that was holding absence that gave us that little tip and I'll tell you what it's been such a lifesaver I can remember when we when we've played shows and that, and we've always had to like force like the front singer to talk about merch or talk about something. Right on the set list. And we'd have like at one point we had like a set list specifically for whoever was singing for us at that point, where there'd be like big blocks that say talk merch, talk even. <laughs> well, mine was the same up until about two weeks ago. So I honestly like it's it's I That's still you know changing though. It's, it's it's so refreshing because I don't even need to worry about even having set lists because all the songs are just told to me in my ear 
And whatever anybody needs to know, it's just spoken to. It's like, oh, this song's next. This is what you need to talk about. And yeah, and also our sound man can talk to us in our ears, which is um, quite hilarious. But um, <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, well, you know, I was like, oh, thank you so much to all our, you know, to- new tour friends. And he just went, oh, friend. <laughs> <laughs> all you can hear I was like thanks Chris <laughs> getting mocked in your in-ears as you're trying to be professional so that's why interludes like we do practice them a lot because there can be a lot of distraction but it's very important you get it right and I think that's something we've sort of learned through as we go you know if you have a confident interlude going into a song it tends to kind of come across a bit more professional I think that was always something before we were lacking that we didn't quite get right and I think when we are still learning, like we're still learning these little tips and tricks that help us going forward. And I think that's going to be a massive one now going forward. I think you're always learning stuff when it comes to like just being a band from like my own personal experience. Like there is always going to be something that you'll have to like pick up or learn or alter, etc. Now with this tour, obviously there was quite a few restrictions in place because we were meant to be speaking to you whilst you guys were on tour. But obviously with everything that's going on, it made more sense to do it this way. Did you find in some aspects that touring during a, a COVID aspect, there was a few things that you had to alter or was it pretty much the same aspects as before? So so when we were on tour, obviously every touring party is different depending on what they um, they want to do. Obviously the government guidance at the moment is pretty, pretty free reign in the UK. You know, there's no compulsory mask wearing, you know, there's no social distancing really. It's pretty much back to what we would say quote unquote normal. Yeah. And, um, and but but our touring part and holding absence were like you know just want to let you know as as to make sure the tour goes ahead we just want to introduce some sort of things where like we had to stay backstage through the whole tour um, we couldn't meet with fans which was gutting but do you know what how many bands I've seen cancel tours because either them or a member of their crew has caught COVID yeah I totally understand why that was a thing and you know that you know we've all poured money into this tour you know yours truly have flown over from australia like i totally Mm. totally understand and it worked none of us got covid we did testing every single day as well every day we had to do the swab send a picture do the nhs thing so and people if you did have to go anywhere you wore a mask um and but it was quite nice because like it gave a good chance for all the bands to really mingle because sometimes if people are off and everywhere um you don't often get to like have a sort of good relationship with certain members of other bands but actually yeah. it was really nice and we kind of yeah. all just spent time together and it was it was definitely a really good relationship builder and um got a bit got a bit insane at points you know when there was a really really <laughs> small venue but but we, we managed and i say what it was it was definitely worth the fact for the fact that the tour didn't get interrupted at all by covid and it was so worth it for that yeah absolutely because i mean like you said the amount of People, well, people, bands I've seen uh, cancel massive blocks of the tour because someone in the team has got COVID. It, it, the amount, yeah, because people now forget, is it's, yeah, people forget it's not just the band; it's the crew as well. So if yeah. somebody on the crew gets it, that's it as well. Yeah. So it's it's a really hard one because you know there's not with this six of us in the band, but there's nine of us in our touring crew. So nine people you have to try and not to get to COVID. <laughs> it's it's quite a hard. Yeah. Absolutely. So how was the uh, how was the download pilot then? That must have been an experience and a half. Do you know what? I wish I could say that I enjoyed it. I did, but I don't remember it because <laughs> I wish I could say I was drunk as well, but I wasn't because it was about <laughs> half 11, 12 o'clock. I was so like just 
like I couldn't believe we were there. It was the first show back. The last show before that that we played was to like 20 people in High Wycombe. <laughs> which is so wow. so like you know so before so the download pilot was like you know uh, we were sort of hanging around backstage and there was a band on before us and we were like oh you know it's fine like it's all cool it's all cool and then like the band on the other stage were playing and then loads of people disappeared and i was like oh it's fine there's not that many people there's not that many people and then the band on the other stage finished and it just filled up the whole tent just filled and i was like nope i can't <laughs> do this i'm so terrified and it was one of those moments you know like you know, when you're a kid and you imagine like all these moments you want as an addict, you know, your bucket list things. Yeah. And I totally just did a bucket list thing and don't even remember it because I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I came on stage, I was like, like it was, and but the good thing is since then I've not even got shakes going on stage. Like it's almost like it's wiped this weird like sense of sort of like you know set the, the bar high I yeah, suppose. yeah 100%. I walked down there was like oh my god thousands of people thousands of people there and I was like cool this is just okay <laughs> and it was it was weird and I didn't expect that there to be that many people there for how early we were playing I think that was as well like I thought there'd maybe be like a couple of hundred people yeah. but there was thousands and there was apparently more people there for bands later on and that was so mad to hear because you know, we're such a new band as well. And um, and also to be offered the opportunity to play Download Pilot and the Download Festival next year as well. It's just insane. And I'm so, so grateful. And it's just bizarre, basically. <laughs> Had a great day, though, after that. Yeah. Oh, once I came off, I was like, cool, get to go and watch some bands now. But the best part of our, da- best part of our download, and we still laugh about it to this day because it still happens, I've got this one particular jacket that people stop me in the street and they're like, I love your jacket. It's like black, it's fluffy and it's black and it's got like pink glove hearts all over it. Uh-huh. And as I was like walking through the crowd, like what you know, watching bands, I watched them from the crowd because it sounds better. And like people would stop me, and there were some people who were stopping me, being like, "Oh, are you Charlie, etc." And it, I, there was this lady who stopped me and went, "Oh my god!" And I went, "Oh, do you want a picture?" Like because I think I was just so in that moment. She yeah, went, "Oh yeah. no, I just really love your jacket." And I was like, <laughs> oh, "Okay." <laughs> I was like, embarrassing. And then I had to be like cover from this and I was sort of like so I just sort of stood there for a moment and sort of like twisted my past around like yeah I'm not just some random weirdo that's just like mm, asked you yeah. for a photo honest and then there was about four or five people later on that asked like, like oh I really like your jacket and I was just like from now on I just can't forget that moment it's just imprinted in my mind and I download <laughs> pilot now <laughs> did you bump any, into any of like your your idols or anything backstage because obviously it's they're all just full of just amazing bands. And- I made a right tit of myself in front of sleep. I was like, you know, like, and you're sort of, I would walk it. It wasn't really, it was a weird one, like, because we were kind of in a corner, like, our dressing room was kind of, like, up against a wall, effectively. So we yeah. didn't really, and we don't really know anyone in the industry. Like, the, the artist area has, like, benches and people were chatting to each other. But obviously, we don't really have any, like, one that we know that we can sort of get in with. And you can't just, like walk up to like you know while she sees and go hi friends like this is not this is not the done thing so they were walking past and I think I'd either just come off stage and I was in that weird zone where I was like a bit flustered and a bit all over the place and I saw them and I was like I've got to say something I've just got to say something in passing and I went you guys are really good it was fucking 12 o'clock in the afternoon they hadn't even played yet and I was like I was like oh I can't believe that I can't believe I've just done that, but I don't think they heard me. <laughs> they kind of looked over. I don't think they heard what I said. I'm hoping they didn't hear, or they just ignored me and they're like, who is this strange woman? <laughs> there you go. 
that's what happened to me. But I didn't, um, I didn't particularly meet any um, idols. I saw Renta Shikari sort of around. I'd really yeah. love to meet them because they're like a band I've sort of grown up listening to. Um, but hopefully a download next year, I might make people and not make it to it myself. That would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, well, next year. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say next year it'll be a big one anyway. Cause get yeah. the big guns are out next year. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're gonna have to lock me away. <laughs> the best, the best thing I've seen with like a band like backstage was there was a guy I can't remember what band it was, and I think it was at Leeds Fest, and um, Dave Grohl's band was playing called Them Crooked Vultures, I think, where it's John Paul Jones. Oh, yeah, it's like the supergroup one. Yeah, the supergroup. Yeah, yeah. And there was a thought that you've probably seen it. It went around online and the guy, this guy from this band had fallen asleep uh, in the back backstage area outside in one of the gardens. He'd, he'd had too much to drink. It passed out and um, Dave Grohl and John Paul Jones um, took a uh, selfie with him while he was asleep. <laughs> and he, he had a Led Zeppelin t-shirt on as well. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> He never, he never even knew that he met John Paul Jones until he saw the photos circulating online. That's amazing. And do you How know what? We've got a that? similar story, not quite on the level of Led Zeppelin, but there was a guy, um, and would, Owen sent this photo, Owen's the guitarist and as everything unfolds, he um, sent this picture on the group chat and it was like him like doing this, like sort of crouching on the floor, like, in, like behind this guy that had his everything unfolds like t-shirt or hoodie on. Yeah. And then he shared it on our Discord group like after the gig and he was like, what? You didn't even come and say hi. So Owen just took a picture behind it. And, <laughs> and then at the London show, he the guy was there and then finally they got a photo together. But it was like, I was like, I forgot to say, Owen. I was like, so mean. <laughs> Not quite as cool as Dave Grohl. You know, that would that would be like pretty um, life-changing, I think. Just seeing that photo online, I, I'd be slapping you myself. Be the fact that I had a Led Zeppelin t-shirt on and John Paul Jones was stood next to me with Dave Grohl, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. If you mentioned Shikari then, I'm curious then, what would you say is like your favourite Shikari album? Oh, people hate me, but it's Take to the Skies. Like, just hands yes. down, it's Take to the Skies. Like, yes. And I, 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 you know what, and I, I, I hate saying this because I understand like, and I totally understand this as, as a band and a musician, when fans like their first album, it's like the worst thing ever. You're like, why do you like this? It's fucking awful. Like, it's so bad. Like, you know, and, and I know that they probably feel that about that album, but like, um, Shikari are quite local to me and they've been kind of like quite ingrained in like the local, like sort of music scene here. Mm. And I've known about them for years. And obviously then the second album will be Common Dreads. I mean, to be honest with you, I stopped religiously listening to them after a flash flood of colour. And then I've only recently kind of started getting back into them, but really only songs here and there, like the singles and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I do think they are incredible. There's nothing against like um, their songwriting. I think their songwriting is the best it's ever been, in my opinion. But I just, it's just something that I've not really spent time listening to. And I know I need to, but um, they are it has such an incredible band and a, a credit to the British music scene, in my opinion. 100%. I'm the same. I, I kind of like drifted from a little bit, and then I came back and I listened to some of the newer stuff. And they're like aging like a fine wine. They're like they, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Better, better it's a, weirdly, British bands seem to like age like fine like you know, Sleeps and Shikari, Bring Me. Yeah, All yeah. these bands have been around for so long, and they're in their prime now. And you're yeah. thinking, how? How are you? You know, in a good way. But it's yeah. like you know, I feel like British bands have this weird thing of like we're going to start out doing this like 
mental, like metal, like crazy stuff. And then we're just going to yeah. like mm. slowly introduce the thing. But it's very smart, very clever. I like it. <laughs> I think that's the thing of when you're younger, though, like when you're a teenager, etc. Where the way you absorb music is very different to when you're older. Like, because it's the thing of that where you're like, "Oh, I want to discover new bands," but you'll still go back to that album from 2010 because you're so familiar with it, you're religious to it. That you're, you're emotionally <laughs> connected to it. I think, oh, in yeah. Ways, yeah, because it's one of the the first things that you heard from that band, or that was part of yourself when you was younger. Like, it's, it's sort of nostalgic in a way, in it when you listen to those albums. Every, every time you hear like like Mothership or something like that, it just reminds me of being in like this one of the under 18s nightclubs we had over here, like a <laughs> rock club. And every time they played Mothership, everyone would go fucking insane. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just one of those things that's just ingrained in yourself. And yeah, like that's why we that's why we go back to it. it doesn't mean they're just as good as the as the newer stuff. It just means that we uh, we enjoy listening to it a bit yeah. more. I think it's just I think it just as a musician now, there are you know some of our fans are like. Um, like really like our first self-recorded, self-produced EP, which is very questionable in my opinion. And I'm just like, you know, I, I look at it and I'm like, the songs themselves are good, but everything else around it was terrible. Like the production is terrible. Um, we were we were so young. We just had no idea what we we're doing. And like, you know, do not get me wrong. It, it taught me so much. And I'm glad we did things that way. But at the same time, people are like, oh, these songs are so fucking good. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Again, I've seen it from someone else's perspective and obviously you must have done a, a really good job the fact that it's actually stuck with those people and it's the first thing they heard from yourselves. So, yeah. I think that's, I think if, yeah, if somebody like came across us in that era, it's the ones that go back. That's the people I don't get. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the stuff where you like, when you first start playing music and like writing music, like I remember, mine and my, like we've been the same bands throughout for like the past 15 years or whatever um and like with the first time we were recording i remember specifically that with me being a guitarist i'd wrote the rhythm parts but no lead so like right, okay i would but i just hadn't comprehended that another guitarist would exist and you kind of actually record two guitars on the same <laughs> track so like we got to this producer guy and he was just like what's the other guitar part i was like what do you mean <laughs> just like, it. like you what? just don't you don't you just don't comprehend these and i think you know when we went into self-produce you know some of us had done like music tech at college and and we were like teenagers when we did this we were like you know i was still in sick form so like we, we were kids when we did this so it was like you know and we were like really ambitious like yeah we're going to do it ourselves and granted a lot of the reason we did it ourselves was money because we didn't have the money you know we weren't backed by a label at 17 years old and you know, it was, it, so we had to do it all ourselves. And I do think it, it it does make you understand the process and how difficult it is and why you should go to somebody who knows what they're doing. And I think that's definitely what we did afterwards. Mm. Um, obviously, we had to go through that whole process to understand that. But I do think, you know, in terms of a band, and I, I don't know why, but a, a lot of bands start like that. A lot of bands start self-producing and they learn sort of, how they work internally and how it all sort of comes together. And then you sort of, every time you take a step up. And I think that is one thing with AU that we're always looking to do is every time we do something, it's a step up. So every time we record something, we want to go with someone new. We want to try something new. We don't want to sit stagnant and not, not that anybody's been bad that we've worked with. It's more just like, I like the idea of getting as much sort of input as possible. You know, we're quite open musically. We're quite open creatively. 
um, to work with people. So we're sort of like, right, cool, that was, that really worked and we'll definitely keep you in mind, but we're going to go to the next person, try next one, next one, next one. Yeah. So, and, you know, hopefully we can work all the way up to Ben Dev, who did um, Right by Paramore. And then we're just, then we're okay there. <laughs> <laughs> that album is insane in production. It's one of the best produced, it's even one of the best produced albums of all time. Like, just hands down. And the guy who um, produced our, uh, within each size, the other album, uh, got mentored by Ben Dev, which um, is kind of like quite quite a big deal. And that, so he's got he's kind of uses a lot of tips and tricks. And was part of the reason we sort of went with him, he's got these sort of nuances that um, you sort of like that really like that sort of clean. I, I don't know. It's like everything's really clear. Yeah. Like you know, there's yeah. a lot going on, but every, you can hear everything like really, really clearly. And that was something that we were really interested in for the album we've just done. Yeah. But then the album going forward, we're now looking for something slightly different. So that's why we're sort of potentially looking at somebody else. That's so, cool. you know, because this band chops and changes what we're doing all the time. So that's the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing about songwriting. Like, you, like for example, me personally, I wouldn't write the same way that I wrote when I was 17. Like, no, I, I wouldn't even write the same way I wrote two years ago. Like, well, that's the thing. When I wrote the album, when I wrote the album before, like you know, we've yeah. already written our second album. It's done. So it's like so, and already we're now moving forward and looking at the next thing. And I'm yeah. going, oh, there's things I wouldn't have done, but I know it's right for that album. You, you kind of there comes a point because you know we were saying to the boys, I was like, we need to stop at some point. Like, there comes a point where <laughs> we need to stop album two and move on to album three. You know. Yeah. And it's um, but I like the fact that we keep changing and evolving because that's what keeps it exciting as well. So, I was pouring myself some more wine. It's okay. Excuse me. Why not? <laughs> what you on a red, a red or white? Yeah, yeah, just a, a red from down the shop. Yeah, I don't know nice. what it is. It's a Merlot. There we go. It's yeah. Okay. I just fancied it tonight. Why not? It's the first time mm. I've not even got myself a drink. You know, I've actually not brought one upstairs. Oh. I've got no, this I'd... colossal mug, but it's just got water. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I think it was just like the last few days at work. I'm just like, I've had two days, no wine when I get in from work and stay outside. Wine, please. <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> now, I want to talk about the on the inside video because it is insane how good the production is in that video. It is incredible. <laughs> how did you do that video? <laughs> I tell you what, that it's it's really funny. That was one of the most fun videos we ever did because videos can be quite tedious, like you know, repeating, repeating, repeating. But yeah. that one was done differently, and it didn't occur to me till the day. Like Zach Pitchin, who did the video, oh, obviously sick. I sort of discussed with him, like you know, before we get on the call and we talk about the video, and we had basically we had to choreograph every section. So every time there's sort of a, a shot and a cut, so that whole section, I think there's about six or seven like in the whole video of sort of these bits every bit was choreographed and this house we went to in liverpool it had like loads of different corridors and stuff so we'd have to like figure it out so the whole idea was that like it just kept moving through this house from like top to the bottom floor and then obviously when it the group shots it kind of comes back into the same room goes back out for the chorus and stuff but um yeah it was just it was just ridiculous honestly I've, there's videos online i'll maybe send them to you later of like behind the scenes where like one of us will be playing and then Zach will like turn around and then we all have to run, change places <laughs> and then we'll get back again and then carry on like nothing's happened because it's all a one shot. Yeah. So oh, you can't. Amazing. And in one of the shots in the video, um, you can see Adam in the corridor in one of them. So you'll have to go back and watch it now and find it. You right. can literally see him just stood in the hallway and I'm like, 
fuck's sake. But no, it's, uh, it's like, you're just not meant to be there. Yeah. And then, like, awkwardly so, stood there like, oh, shit. <laughs> but there's like, you know, the first shit. But the first bit, it was like, you know, it starts off where it's me sort of going down and then the camera completely does a turn. I even have to run, I have to follow Zach so I'm not in the shot. Like, I have to run behind him the whole then shot he did round George, like a 360 sort of shot. He runs into this room. I then have to go to the separate corridor. George and Owen swap places. It's just chaos. Wow. And we had to do this so many times. It was hilarious because, you know, one person would fuck up and then the whole thing had to be done. We're like, wow. oh, no. Fancy. <laughs> and then when I did my bit, I had to, like, run backwards. And then, like, as I was doing it, it sort of, like, I fell. And literally, Zach just caught me. And I was just like, this is a fucking disaster, <laughs> mate. But it looks great. <laughs> and it was so much fun. But that, it was so cold. We did that in... um. God, I think it was like, oh, I don't know, dead, dead of winter last year. It was so, so cold. Um, and there was no roof on the building because it's like a sort of like semi-abandoned building. And right. There was just pigeon shit everywhere. And it was just like, but it was one of the best days we've had as a band in terms of doing a video. Because um, I, I find the sort of, you know, you play through the song for three and a half minutes then you do it again and then you and do again. it again. Like It, it gets again. very uninspiring. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> yeah. when we were doing that, it was kind of like once we'd done a whole section then that was it. That bit was done. You didn't have to do that bit of the song again. You just went to the next bit of the song and just kept going. And it was actually a really refreshing way of doing a video. And I was like, we're doing this again. Because it weirdly took less time. Once you got it right, once you got the right shot, you're done. Like There were some of them where we did it like once or twice and that was it. It was done. Like Especially like the group ones. But there was one where it was... um, the sort of one where we had this like really big strobe light and I had to like run to a corridor behind while he was filming and like this thing and I had to meet up with him on the other side and there was a couple of times where I didn't make it in time and he'd turn around and I'd not be there and I'd be like <laughs> oh yeah. fuck it was like t- to the millisecond it had to be done so Jeez. yeah no it was great fun though it was great fun I'd That's- recommend doing something like that that's insane. It sort of reminds me of the this a famous one where it's um Jim Carrey did the TV series. I can't remember the name of it now, but there's like one one shot in it where it's basically someone watching the TV, <clears> but <throat> it goes through different seasons of the year and it was all done oh. within one shot and everyone has to move the furniture and everything changes over wow. that. It's just insane. I know what one you mean. I don't know what it's from, but I've seen it like yeah. so many times. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one where he's living within a world where people are like... Oh, it's not... Um, what's it it's called? when he's oh like God. a TV presenter oh, or something oh like God. that. What's it called? He's got long Truman time. Show. Is it the Truman, Truman, Truman Show? Truman Show, yeah. Exactly. It's not is it Truman, Truman Show. No, it's, no. It was like past couple of years it was. It came out. I'm going to have to Google it really quick. <laughs> yeah, because <it> <laughs> I, I, know, I know what you mean. I've seen it like so many times. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun to do something that's like not edited, I suppose, like, you yeah. know, genuine, like, <laughs> choreography. Because <laughs> we're... Oh, it was so much fun. It was... Um, Old it was kidding. Fun. Oh, it's not even no, that. that. Came out in 2018. Oh. There you go. But I've seen that scene. So there you go. I mean, like, with a video, like, it, it pays off, though, because people can see, like, how how funny it would have been to make at the same time by how much work you guys put into it and yeah those tracking shots are just so fucking smooth between each each thing and when it spins around and then you're all in the same room and those transitions it's like bob on so yeah uh, big ups to Zach then for uh, yeah no he's, 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 a, he's a good lad he's wanted to work yeah. with Zach he's, he's really good he's, he's, he's really good to work with he's, he's so, so like broad like you know going to him you know that whatever idea you have he'll make it work 
Like, yeah. you know, you don't have to worry about, oh, no, no, I can't do that. And he'll be like, yeah, I'll do it. And the more extreme, the more he likes it. Like, the, <laughs> the more creative and the more batshit, he loves it. So when we said about that video, he was like, fuck yes, let's make it work. So, yeah, <laughs> so it was, it was great. Hey, that's amazing. Whereabouts in Liverpool, is it? Because with us being in Wigan, it's quite local to us. Um, I don't know what I don't know. But it was, it's basically, funny story about the place. It's been in about multiple people's bands videos so Loathe Vex Lestelle um, they've all used the place it's so big you can basically do a video in every room and no one would know that you've used the same Amazing. venue yeah. <laughs> so it's only now that I watch bands I'm like oh yeah like this like oh that room so um, but the place is owned by this dude it's like a really old like manor house or something um, and it was used as like a Masonic lodge and a community hall and it's been used as like various different things and this guy bought it for like it's fucking like the roof's fallen through and right. he bought it for like fuck all money and basically he rents it out for like no money at all um, this is old dude and like there was points where we were filming this video and he just sort of appeared. And obviously oh, Owen, there was no. one point, there was one point where Owen was like, fuck me. Like he just screamed. And I was like, what? He was like, fuck, you can't do that to me. Like this man just appeared from this hallway. And he's like, you know, he's proper like this, yes. like, you know. Oh my God. And Owen shit himself. And then Owen proceeded to tell us after we'd been at the venue women were leaving that he thinks he saw a ghost then went home and looked it up he's been on most haunted so jamie our wow, drummer is nice. shit scared of anything like that so no. he's like yeah nice. he's like he's like so like, no no we're not going there again we're not doing anything there again Views or refuse to go <laughs> so no it's, it's great it's a great place to film videos and it's it's quite well used by bands which is great because obviously you know sometimes it's hard for bands to find venues that are reasonably priced and have power it's yeah, also a thing yeah. that in abandoned places you know it's it's you sort of go ah how do we get power it's like people go oh let's do a video outside power if you yeah. want lights yeah. so yeah it's um it's it's great it's, it's good so let me know if you want to know where it is <laughs> yes absolutely it was so reminds me of like our old practice place it was apparently haunted it was like an abandoned mill and we've done it up somewhat See, it still looks partially like a shithole, but it was like a functioning shithole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most music venues in the UK, like, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. But um, like, Mike, what was the story about? Was it our actual building on next door where it was like it was used as like um, yeah, so, so a Victorian like, mill or something? Yeah, it was all it was all like a cotton mill and stuff. And then there's a section where it's like the Wigan roller rink now. Um and uh, apparently people used to work there uh, were getting pushed down the stairs and all sorts of things and there was one hot but the hall where the roller rink is apparently was used as like the the dining room hall and uh -huh. um apparently i knew someone who used to work the like well why it was a rink well it still is a rink but anyway um they, they went in there once for like just to close up the uh, the shop and that and they said they could smell like christmas dinner as they were leaving, like it smelled the other aroma of a yeah, yeah, yeah. and that worry. was the hall, like where they would have had all the food and stuff. So oh, I don't know how weird. much I believe it, but it, it's cool to believe like that sort of stuff happens. But yeah, uh, yeah it always seems to be like the abandoned mills uh, and and that that all the practice rooms are based in as well, especially around here. Um, it's just all a common just thing, farm isn't it, buildings it? normally yeah. <laughs> or industrial estates. Yeah. <laughs> It's either one or the other. It's one extreme, or it's yeah. abandoned shit all uh, yeah. that's been yeah. done up somewhat. 
Yeah, all the guys in America get all like the mum's basements and like garages and stuff. Like, I don't know, yeah, we don't. Uh, yeah, I feel so. I feel like we've been left out of that. I feel very sad yeah. about like you know I never got to record an album in my mum's basement, and that makes yeah. me very upset. <laughs> <laughs> It's been noise complaints. I remember when we started like doing practices when I was in high school. We had next the next door to our drummers uh, knocking on because it was like this is too loud. Yeah, we used to you know when we first started this band years and years and years ago. Um, we used to practice in Adam's. Bless Adam's parents; they were so good. They used to let us practice at um, their house. And there did come a point, you know, when it started to get a bit more serious, and you know, we'd be practicing for quite a few hours. Yeah, and there yeah. did come a point where they were like we can't do this anymore. <laughs> it's so loud. You know, there was more and more people joining the band and, yeah. you know, we'd get a proper drummer in and it was like, right, we, we need to, we need to not do this here anymore. <laughs> but we did get away with it for quite a few years. So, you know, that's good of them. There's always that breaking point. There's only so far you can push your parents in, time, in terms of like <laughs> noise level before it's like, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah, you go chase your dreams, but don't do it in my house, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do you, but not here. <laughs> now, Ryan has told us to mention Thunderbirds Are Go. God. Yeah, what wasn't this year like um, like national anthem for your tour? <laughs> so, so, okay, but right, this band is just, this band makes no sense. So that's what I'm going to just point out at the beginning, right? Things become things for no reason whatsoever. That's just the biggest context I can give this. So we just started, now when we turn up to shows, when we're like three and a half minutes away from the venue, we play Thunderbirds Are Go when we're arriving. Like that's what we do. No, I don't know why. And we measure time in Bat Out of Hells. So we say how many Bat Out of Hells till we're there. Well, oh, oh 20 God. Bat Out of Hells. And it's, it's just... It's just one of these things where, like, so we've started playing Thunderbirds Are Go, and, like, as a, this is where it gets worse. So as we were going on stage in London for the Holding Absence show, and it's one of the biggest, like, uh, normal shows we've done apart from, like, Download. And as a joke, we were like to Chris or Sam, like, oh, play Thunderbirds Are Go before we go on stage. It'd be so funny. The whole fucking electric ballroom was singing Thunderbirds Are Go. Yes. On stage. Uh, uh, yes. And I was like, but obviously, no one in the no one in the room will have known. This is the first time I'm talking about it publicly. So anybody that listens to this, you're the first to hear it. So yeah, we chose that because we were like, oh yeah, it'd be so funny, ha ha ha. We were just like, actually, this is quite embarrassing because it's a personal <laughs> like joke, and no one else. Yeah, yeah. And we turned up at the Dipsons, who are lovely people that put up bands, and they had a plate. It was almost like you couldn't write. It. They had a plate with Thunderbirds on it, which is I the photo that, that photo, Ryan yeah, put on. Yeah. Front, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ryan yeah. on Facebook and I was like this is made for us like this is too Meant weird to and it was like they had it like, in a pile and Ryan picked it up and went oh, like, it was, <laughs> we were just like we were all like no that's so creepy you know what the so, next yeah, step is don't, the story yeah. you know what the next step's going to be you guys got to cover what? it live no <laughs> no no that's just that's a step too far you're going to surprise us with it <laughs> we'll petition it now Make it your own. <laughs> As everyone falls, cover a Thunderbirds Argo. Oh my God, it'd be dreadful. It would be with a breakdown in the middle. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Classic. <laughs> when, you're in a, when you're confined in a van with the same people for this amount of time, this is the kind of shit you come up with. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. you know, how many Bat of Hells? Oh, one and a half Bat of Hells. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. And then we listened to Bat of Hell. <laughs> and like, it was just, you know, you know, the intro to the intro and we'd all sing along and it's, it gets very insane. It gets very insane. But no, it's, um, that's why I love touring though. Touring is so much fun. Like it's, it's just, 
you know, being in an environment like that with a lot of people, obviously you're close to these people, but it, it can get very intense and quite like heated and whatever. But actually it's the best time ever at the same time. Yeah. You know, you're coming up with these, you know, like when you sort of go insane because you're sort yeah. of hysterical. You know, when you get overtired and things yeah. are funny that are not funny, that's it, but all the time. <laughs> That's the sort of stuff that keeps you sane, though. Like, the, the insane stuff keeps you sane. It's a weird yeah, sort yeah. of thing, yeah. Do you not find it, though, like, when you come out of that ecosystem and you make the personal jokes, but you reference it to people that don't know about it? Yeah, the whole electric ballroom. Yeah, and you're like... I feel like a bit of a pleb now because <laughs> you make these references and they're like, what the fuck are you on about? I'm like, yeah, it was, like, you know, like, oh, seven bat of hell. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. Right, shall we uh, shall we move on to our first segment then? Yes. Yeah, go on <laughs> So, Charlie, what's your favourite scary movie? Mm. Okay, um... I watch a lot of scary films. I watch a lot of horror films. I'm not a big fan of classic horror films, which I know, like, a lot of people are. I know. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm really into, like, psychological horror, that okay. kind of side of horror. Not, not like, ooh, Conjuring jump scare. Like, love the Conjuring series, but, like, it kind of became a little bit shit towards the end. Yeah. Um, I, do you know what? I don't really know. Um, I'm going to have to think. It, it's, oh, my God. I'm trying to think of a film that's genuinely intrigued me. Because I think I think that's a bit for me. A horror film is good if it intrigues me and it actually, I actually find it interesting and a unique concept. Which I found Insidious was quite a unique concept, and I liked the concept of like the sort of astral plane and like the yeah, yeah. sort of in between. I, there was parts of it where I was kind of like, uh, but I did quite like the way it kind of came full circle with the the lost key or whatever the, the door one, whatever that yeah, one was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I quite like again, like a lot of the acting's a bit naff, and some of the some of it kind of became a bit sort of Bollywood cliche towards the end. But I really like the the concept of sort of the the full circle where he ended up triggering his own spoilers, triggering his own sort of problems in the beginning, and I quite yeah. like that. Um, but to be honest, one of my favorite favorite films, and it is so so underrated. When it was marketed as a horror film, but it isn't really. But it's got horror aspects. Is the Village. Oh, The Village. Right. right. I am a big, big fan of The Village. I think the acting is phenomenal. I think yeah. it's fucking great. Yeah. Um, the, the problem with that, that film got let down by its marketing because it was marketed like, oh, on a big scary night. And it's like, it's not that kind of film. It's, In and you know, when it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 literally. So, it, and I think, I remember seeing it for the first time and it was, it's quite, I think it's 2004. It's quite an old film. Um, I remember seeing that twist for the first time, you know, the M night t- typical twist. Yeah. And um, well, but it yeah. did, it kind of proper threw me off. And the end was all about, you know, like um actually it's like a big commune that all these people that have like been through stuff have moved to. And but it was interesting how they were sort of using like this sort of creature to keep people there. Yeah. yeah. I really I re- and I re- I really liked it. And I, I think it's a really underrated film. Um <laughs> Raheem Phoenix is amazing in it. Um is it Bryce Dallas Howard as well? So good. And I can't remember his name. Um, who was in the pianist? Not too sure. Um, no, but he great, absolutely great uh, film. So, but it doesn't come under like quintessential like, horror. But yeah, that yeah. I would say, and I also enjoyed obviously Hereditary. Um, probably one of my most favorite like up to date sort of horror films. Yeah, and Midsummer. That was 
You know, right, that's Ryan nonstop talks about hereditary and uh, yeah, and it's so good. like his tip top ones, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think I think I think because recently, like, well, recently talking in the last sort of 10, 15 years, horror films have been so like Hollywood troped with like big 100%. jump scares and blood and yeah, yeah, yeah. things that you know, and people have got kind of bored of that. And now these like or like the witch, you know, there was that you know this sort of era of now like these weird sort of slightly different horror films more artsy horror films are kind of coming in and I'm totally here for it because it is so much more interesting so I watched it for the first time this year at a drive-in and I I didn't know what to expect because I was like right I know it it exists as a film but I've never actually like seen anything about it and I've I've seen the lighthouse before that so I kind of knew what aspect (laughs) the lighthouse I did not like the lighthouse and I I (laughs) really did not wild (laughs) it's it's a fever dream and a half like you know and I enjoyed it for what it was and I really appreciated how unique and the hard that must have been to act and direct that must have been you know it was really interesting but I did not particularly like it. The Witch, on the other hand, I really, really liked. Um, I'm really into like New England history. Like I really, really find like the Pilgrims and all that kind of stuff really interesting. So it really appealed yeah. to me. Um, I find like sort of the study of witch, witchcraft as in like, I don't study it as in like, I find like um, history of witchcraft interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, of my yeah. dissertation, um, weirdly, was sort of done on a lot of that stuff. So um, yeah, it, when it came out, I was like, oh, fuck. But basically what it is, is it what people miss misunderstand is it's actually a film of a story that would be told to people in the villages to scare them from leaving so it's right. like a visual representation of a sort of fear tactic so it's like oh if you leave the village this will happen to you and it's yeah. the story of the witch so whereas you know which kind of gives it a little bit more of an interesting sort of spin to it where you're like because people go oh for god's sake that wouldn't happen that wouldn't happen and you're like no, but it's, it basically brings all the fears of people at that time about witchcraft and about the devil and about, you know, your crops failing, all of it all into one store, big, nice little package story that they can mm, feed yeah. to people and be like, be afraid of leaving. That's what it is, which I found that I find like the underlying kind of things of films quite interesting, often more interesting than the films actually are. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, it's, it's crazy to believe that people actually believe that stuff as well at the time. Like they thought that was genuine thing which is why obviously all these women were, were like getting basically killed because mm-hmm. they were apparently witches if they were like studying medicine or doing their own things yeah mm. yeah it's, it's, it's crazy that that was an actual thing and obviously yeah. we, had it, we had it over here with the Pendle witches and you've got the Salem witches in like in Massachusetts and all that like I said in New England so it's crazy how on, a, on a global scale that was like a thing that affected a lot of people and mm. And yeah, it's just stayed with us throughout like mythology and all that sort of thing. So it it was a good film in terms of bringing that to light and and showing. I it thought in the acting aspect. was so good, and I liked that it was done in like sort of old English as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which obviously the lighthouse was the like that, accents. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but like the, the lighthouse was a little bit too much, sort of to the point where I was like, I don't understand what any of these people are saying. Yes. Like, I, it kind of actually distracted too much. You know, there's like a yeah. fine line between getting it right to the point for realism and getting it too wrong where everyone's like, what? <laughs> you know, you, you sort of like, I, I, like, it's almost funny because you're not understanding it. You sort well, of it look the, at the It's the comedy of Willem Dafoe's voice. Oh, like, and yeah, that. Go, yeah, the Green Goblin <laughs> yeah. in the lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> and the seagull as well, Paul thing. <laughs> Fucking seagull. <laughs> yeah, it was... Like a Ronan fuck's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
it was it was a uh, you know the more I think about it it is a good film it is in terms of you know from filmmaking perspective it's especially like I said in these in these days where everything's quite just a money making machine where it just churns out the same stuff it's nice to see something different so I suppose I appreciate it for that same with The Witch same with sort of Midsummer and Hereditary Hereditary was a little bit more classic which I think is why it's been way more integrated into sort of the more mainstream horror side yeah. Um, but it's really well done, and it did freak me out. The, 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 the score is so fucking freaky, and I think that's underrated in Hereditary as well. The score in Midsummer as well, like yeah. the, the one of the first scenes where it's the shot going from the car to where her parents are and where her sister is, where it blends like the car alarm into the actual soundtrack itself is just horrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's I think and I think that gets underrated a lot in like um sort of indie films and stuff like how much more the the filmmakers think about their scores than just sort of churning out just the same squeaky violin noise that normally yeah. goes into like, you know, the, the quintessential horrors. I could talk about this shit all day, mate. This is literally in my spare time. I just watch like YouTube videos about films, and <laughs> I love doing like deep dives on films. And yeah. I'm, I am I am strange. I love it. We'll love have it. to get you into mm. horror fest next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, did Did you watch uh, Train to Busan by any chance? I've never yeah, heard of was... it. So obviously, I, you was on Silver Screen on scene, uh, Ryan Shaw, um, and you, you did um, you did Parasite, which is uh, like mm. a Korean. Korean sort of thriller. It sort of borders on. It's not really horror, but it, it sort of. It borders on the edge so many genres. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Train to Busan is another Korean film that came out came out around the same time, but it's like a zombie film. But the way they've done it is unlike any other zombie film you've like seen before. It's like it puts a new perspective on it, and like you got a lot of films like obviously zombie films in general that churned out the same stuff as you were saying. But this one, it just gives you a, a, like a new perspective on it, and they're mm. all as it, as it says, trapped on a train to Basan. But a load of different shit happens. Is that not just and... Snowpiercer with zombies then? <laughs> Minus Chris Evans. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think if no, you it enjoyed, sounds good. It sounds yeah. good. If you enjoy Parasite, I think you'll really enjoy that because it, again, it's like the thought that went into it as well with the character development and everyone everyone actually in the film and the way it ends and yeah I'm not going to spoil it but yeah don't because that sounds right on my street yeah and watch that before the US remake comes out like the next year or so which is called Train to New York oh shit what? of course they of had course. to call it Train to New York as well didn't they, they couldn't did. help themselves I didn't even know that was a thing it's in New York <laughs> oh okay okay I'll bet that in mind I'll bet that in mind are they only redoing Parasite though with Mark Ruffalo in it it's Hollywood uh, which fucking... is weird because which I don't understand because like Parasite won an Oscar which is a pretty much an American <laughs> award so well, you know say, that yeah, the yeah. film has been well received in America so why are you remaking it leave it alone yeah just just <laughs> leave it let let these people have it like just fucking stop just yeah. stop America just <laughs> I stop. agree <laughs> stop it <laughs> but, you know, it's fine and I'm so glad like a lot of um, like foreign media is starting to be consumed you know like even Squid Game you know how massive that's been yeah and it's, mm. it's you know because I feel like a lot of the reason people are now craving a lot of sort of um, you know even stuff like you know when Spirited Away started becoming a thing people are craving non-Western media because they just are so fed up of the same again the same recycled storylines the mm. same formulas that are followed you know whereas they don't follow that same formula we follow 
So, or they sort of mix the formula we follow, but with their own formulas. So yeah. it's a little bit more interesting and it's new and it's fresh and it's exciting. And I'm so, so glad that there is now becoming a much more worldwide market for media just in general, you know, whether it be film or TV shows or anything like that. And, you know, companies like Netflix pushing it is great because they're the biggest streaming platform and, you know, something like yeah. Squid Game. I mean, that would not have got the, you know, the reception it got had it not had the push of Netflix and, yeah, I know Netflix, you know, has its problems and all this, but actually, you know, it's 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 great because now I think people who wouldn't have watched something like in Korean might now go and watch something in Korean that they wouldn't have thought of before because they're like, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad when I watched it with subtitles or I watched the dub version if, you know, they want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's fine. As long as they're consuming it and it's it, they're enjoying it, I think it's great. I think it's great. 100%. Right. So let's get on to our... Final and second segment, which is Charlie. What is your pet peeve? Just in general, what so, pisses you off in what life? Pisses anything. you off the most? It could be the pettiest thing on the planet. Okay, um, I don't know because it's, it's one of these things. I'm not nothing really annoys me like big big annoys me, but it's like little things. And I'm trying to think of those little things. I don't like it uh, when people can't use their cutlery properly. Right. And it's okay. stupid. It, it, like, you know, when you're in a, like, and, and the problem is when I'm in a restaurant and I catch my eye of somebody using a knife and fork wrong, my whole move, like, the, the whole evening is ruined because <laughs> I will spend the whole time watching them. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Because my brother is not good with cutlery. And I think that's where it comes from. Like, he's much more haphazard. You know, I've always been taught, you know, if you cut it, put it to the side. And it's just sort of something that I've just, it's a really big sort of habit of mine. And then, like, you know, my brother will come in and cut and then put his knife down and then put his fork in his other hand. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's just, and it's stress. And I think it's maybe come from the fact that he's done it and he's always irked me. And that's why it bugs me. Yeah. That's probably one of them. But I, I don't really know what else annoys me. Um, so, with you talking about cutlery, then, so in your mindset, then the rules of cutlery, what are they? I'm not, I'm not fussed about like you know, like the cutlery where you use. I know you go, you go outwards in, but I don't really go to anything that has that much cutlery normally. I just go to like no. Nando's, but like <laughs> you know, I have a small spoon. <laughs> yeah, rice. yeah. <laughs> but it's it's kind, it's kind of like I just think like you know, you put it in the the sort of triangle shape when you're not done and the final the, you put them together yes. into the side when it's done and I think it's just general like you use your fork and you hold it just uh, normally I don't know how to explain it like you just I, just I hold get you because my other half is the exact same with it where she, she finishes a meal she doesn't put a knife and fork together she just drops it on the plate and it drives me insane I don't know why because I'm really not normally bothered little things like that but I just sort of and when I'm in a restaurant I think there was this one time I was in an Italian restaurant with my parents and my brother and we were sat there and there was this guy who was oh my god I don't even know what he was eating I was just I, I just couldn't I couldn't because he was like right there I was like dad I need to swap with you because like I can't face this guy anymore because it was painful because I think, I think he was doing that thing that like a lot of Americans do it where they cut like that and then they yeah. put the knife down and then they take their fork and then they eat like that and I'm like Right, yeah, yeah. Just, just eat with left hand, and I think it was really irking me because it just looked. I think it's because it just looks harder than just eating normally. Yeah, and I was like, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't do it. So, and do you know what? I love the fact that I think everybody should be happy and do what they want, but I and I hate the fact that I hate <laughs> this. Uh, uh, so I it's hate when, it. It's when you when you see them cutting on an angle like this, 
and the knife's hitting the plate and they've cut through the food but it's oh, still it's when, going oh, and you're getting oh, that, oh, 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 on the plate oh, and you're no, like oh it's my when people, it's when God. people hold cutlery like this yeah and they, and they go like this and they're like hold it like this and yeah. press with your fingers that's where you get the pressure from yeah. and they're like <laughs> oh for fuck's sake just can't like people make the work for themselves I don't understand <laughs> I think that's oh, what annoys me I just want to go over and help them like just if you do this it's easier you know the, weirdly the, the, if people are like left handed that doesn't bother me like, that yeah. doesn't bother me it's just the correct use of cutlery there yeah. we go <laughs> yeah you don't you don't want to watch me trying to use chopsticks then Oh, see, I'm oh not. I can. God. I can use because there are various different ways of using chopsticks. Which I only found out recently. I just have my own way, which is just sort of like it kind of works. And it's you should see my fingers. <laughs> You're just it's about like, picking up. <laughs> yeah. And it works. It works though. And people go, yeah, yeah. "How do you do that?" I'm like, "I don't know." Ever since a child, this is just what I've done, and it works. So, but then I suppose people say that about cutlery. So I've probably called so myself my out there. So my logic on it is that you have one chopstick which you have with your middle finger and your thumb so and you, you have, have your like, other ones like guide it yeah so I go like yeah I um, can't even do that I can't even get to yeah. that point yeah so I'm not I'm not bad at it but sometimes like it gets quite like hard to do after a while especially if you're eating rice and you're like I was, yeah. it just seems a bit tedious just fucking get a spoon spoon <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no I can't on. get a spoon I went to this I went to this um <laughs> There's like a really nice Japanese restaurant that's just sort of open near me. It's like a proper authentic like um, Japanese restaurant and they do not have cutlery. Like they literally only have chopsticks. And I went for my birthday and I was fine. All my parents were fine and my brother just sat there like... <laughs> and he was just like... He was just like... And I was like... T- t- and then by the end of it, he was just stabbing his sushi. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like that advert. Still eating it half an hour later, like yeah, it was full funny. Place. I think he was just picking it up like that. So <laughs> funny, but yeah, no, yeah. I, I know, but I do, I do, I like to always respect the customs of like you know a certain food or the way they eat and stuff like that. Because yeah, actually, with the, I went, I went to someone's house once who um they were Indian and um, they cooked like a really authentic Indian food and we ate with our hands, like how yeah. you would traditionally. So you'd obviously see so you sort of like use a chapati to like kind of scoop it all up. Like like a like a piece of cutlery, but you just eat the cutlery, and I think it's genius. If I'm honest with you, yeah. yeah and you put all the rice in your hand. It does save water. All you have to do is wash your hands. Done. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like it. Like visiting different countries and trying out different food, and just seeing how they approach food as well. Like so, some countries like to take the uh, the shoes off, and like in in like Japan and China, they sit down low on the floor with the food. And yeah. Some of them have the respect of having the food, so like I said, that's why they take the shoes off and. Whereas we just fucking rock up in like dirty boots uh, to a McDonald's and just stop yeah. like stop everything. <laughs> our food, our food culture is basically eat to have energy and then carry on with our yeah. day. Whereas yeah. like a lot of even like in Europe, when you go to Italy, they have like a two-hour lunch break where they go and like eat pasta and pizza and have a glass of wine. Like that's normal because like for them, like eating is like a big either family or social occasion. Like yeah. it's, it's a genuine part of the day. Like. Sometimes they don't eat till like nine o'clock and they eat quite late and it's it's like a really big evening event. Whereas for us, it's like we've kind of us in America, America even worse than us in some regard. You know, it's kind of this weird thing where like we eat to just survive rather than it being a social thing. Because mm, throughout yeah. humanity, we we have always so food has always been a social thing for everybody. And I think that as as a as a culture, you know, British what we have of British culture, which most of it I hate. Um, 
it's we don't have that we don't you know it's just we eat to survive and then we yeah. carry on with our day that's it Could and you i just think it's so if missing. we did it were um we took like a fucking two hour break in work to have like a wine and like to speak, like I think people, people would, but I think people would be better for it. Like, yeah. but the thing is, is that you know, there, there is the argument of like people always say, um, well, you know, like a lot of the reason why our business stuff is so good and this and this is because we don't have two hour lunch breaks and people are way more sort of you know fast paced and that's just our world. You know, when you go into London in the tube, everyone's in a rush, no matter where they're going, everyone's in a rush everybody's got somewhere to be it's not like that in some places but it's just sort of how it is here and it's horrible basically yeah but it's also like it's like yeah how, how people feel as well in life and, and like the, the whole family being together and having that sort of social aspect so i remember watching one of the anthony Bourdain episodes in uh, in spain and he goes there and he's like, I can't believe it. Like, like they do the whole thing with a glass of wine and they all sit down and they all, they're all having the different, like different foods that they all share together. And they sit mm. there and talk about the day. And this is during, like, I think they obviously, they have a fiesta, a siesta, not a fiesta, a, uh, a fiesta. <laughs> they get the fiesta out. Yeah, they get the fiesta, right? A siesta during the day. And like that sort, that sort of like structure to the day and, and, and just obviously seeing your family eating. But it's really eating healthy. Food with your family. Yeah, it is 100%. Mentally healthy yeah. for you. Like, a lot of families don't talk to each other and I know everybody's different no. and some people like that but I think it is it should be healthy for people to chat to either their friends or family yeah. in a proper environment where you're not got work you've not got your phones on you're just purely just talking but like you said about your day sometimes that's all you need is just to sort of vent about how shit your yeah, day's been 100%. Oh, I'll, uh, I can verbally not gonna get to that this whole, now, like, yeah. overworking is glorified and et cetera, but I've just realised the time, so I'm not, so I'll save it. One minute, that's pretty good. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for coming on, Charlie. appreciate it. That's all right. Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you. Sorry, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Thanks for having me. It's been a very nice time. So that was episode 60 with Charlie from As Everything Unfolds. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a smashing episode. So good. Massive thank you to Ryan, good old Ryan, from our podcast for uh, getting this chat sorted. Um, as you probably gathered from it, Ryan was part of the team for As Everything Unfolds and the Holding Absence Tour. So it made sense for us to uh, organise this and have a good old chatteroo. <laughs> Well, I can't believe you used that word. Chatteroo. Oh, Chatteroon. You can like some it, light phases, yeah. yeah. If you um, haven't already seen Silver Screen Unseen as well, make sure you go and check out that. There are some good films that they've discussed. Parasite being one, Nightcrawler. Yeah. Woo, Nightcrawler. Um, so yeah, go and check out on the Spotify page to go and check out them episodes as well. I said check so many times. Check it, yeah. check, 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 check. Because Charlie does feature on one of those episodes as well correct if you've enjoyed this and you want more Charlie to listen to then yeah head over to Silver Screen Unseen and don't forget to just give us a like on the socials if you can there's a follow on Instagram we use Instagram Twitter the most Facebook if you use Facebook still um, yeah and it's going over to our YouTube channel as well so if you're listening on the audio side of things now then you're also missing out with all the content on our YouTube uh, so head over to there and uh, yeah Give us a give us a like, give us a comment, let us know what you think. But thanks for watching anyway. 
and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time.